Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Long Live Hollywood podcast. My name is Aaron. Wow. It has been at least, I want to say maybe three weeks or so since my last episode. A lot of, I had to do that, excuse me. I had to take care of a lot of priorities. Life, if you will, was in full force. Hit me a little hard, but I've gotten just about everything taken care of by this point. I think I'm pretty good. In that time, I did not see any new movies besides The Conjuring, which I will be talking about in this episode. Um, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Haven't got back to the theaters. Haven't really done anything except get my priorities straight and go to work. But other than that, I am fine. I'm happy. The first movie that I do plan on seeing in theaters, if I actually get there, is A Quiet Place Part 2. I still want to see that in theaters. It's looking pretty likely that I am, I might be able to see that tomorrow. Fingers crossed. I'm 100% vaccinated. The Moderna is in full swing. I feel good. I don't have any symptoms. I'm about... What, two weeks after vaccination? More than that, actually. I think I'm going on three weeks. I am so ready to go back to the theaters. I've been doing nothing but Netflix, HBO Max, Amazon Prime since the pandemic begun. And also Disney+. Plus. Lord have mercy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to the movies and news. I'm going to kick things off with my review of The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. This movie is directed by Michael Chives, or Chaves, Michael Chives. The other movies were directed by James Wan, and now James Wan is the producer on The Devil Made Me Do It. Really early on, when this movie was announced and and they were getting everyone attached to this movie, I had a fear. I always have a fear when when they change directors on certain movies. For example, this one right here. Let's, well, obviously, we're talking about this one. The Conjuring wanted two very special movies. I'm not the biggest horror fan. I think they lack... A lot of story and the stories aren't as in-depth as engaging. I don't think that's what they're going for. They're just going for just scares. The Conjuring wanted to the performances, the screenwriting, the scares, everything that is attached to the film, everything that they are going for, it always works. The Devil Made Me Do It. It's like, you know, if you have if you change the chef. The food is going to taste different. It's not going to taste as good. It's not going to be as quality as it once was. What, we, what I got from The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, 
I felt that the movie was just another horror movie. It wasn't, again, it wasn't unique. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, you're always on the edge of your seat and, you know, you're holding your breath. That wasn't the case this time around. This was just another horror movie. Honestly, if Vera Faminga and Patrick Wilson wasn't in the movie and they just used like some brand new characters, I wouldn't know that this was a Conjuring movie. The story's pretty simple. This guy named Arnie, he gets possessed by a demon spirit, and this spirit uses Arnie to conduct grisly murders. Arnie gets arrested, he's on trial, and now the whole thing becomes, how do you prove that Arnie is actually innocent and he's possessed by an evil spirit? And, of course, our main characters, Patrick and Lorraine Warren, make it their mission to relinquish this evil spirit and get the old Arnie back. One of my favorite things about the Conjuring movies are the performances. Outside of Vera Faminga and Patrick Wilson, the supporting actors are usually phenomenal. This time around, not so much. Vera Faminga and Patrick, they carry the movie. Everyone else, average at best. You look at Conjuring 1, and uh, I forget her... Actually, I forget her name as an actress, and I forget her character name. But the mom of the family, the woman that gets possessed, her acting is great. You go into Conjuring 2, that little girl that uh, gets possessed by that uh, uh, by that ghost dude, that 72-year-old, uh, my name is Bill Wilkins, I'm 72 years old. Her acting was great. Here, you don't get any of that. It's all average. The scares are average as well. It's all predictable. You always see them coming, just like the nun. Every, well, the majority of scares, you do see them coming. The ones you don't see coming, they are not that scary. There are really no creepy images in this film that just completely terrify you. Now, depending on who you are, maybe you are you are a person that easily gets scared by this kind of stuff. But if you are coming from The Conjuring 1 and 2, and you go into 3, you are going to be incredibly let down by the scares. Now, I do know some people who do like The Devil Made Me Do It. It's not a bad film. Let me make that clear. I just don't think that it is quality compared to 1 and 2. Those movies really set the bar of what we, the viewers, expect from a Conjuring movie. This movie is just another horror movie in the genre. While I was watching the movie, I was hoping for at least one good scare. One good, 
creepy image to frighten me. Never got it. I think one reason why this movie isn't as scary as the other ones is because of the setting. The other movies took place in haunted houses, if you will, Conjuring 1. Uh, it was, it was you know, that, that creepy house in the middle of nowhere. And then you had Conjuring 2, another house. The Devil Made Me Do It is essentially set in the city. There is no one house or, or one building. It's a very open movie. And I think the other Conjuring movies really benefited from linear environments. One of my favorite things about the other Conjuring movies is whenever the characters go to bed for the night, whenever they go to bed, pitch black outside, pitch black in the house, you knew every time that something was about to jump off. And rightfully so. The house is haunted. I think The Devil Made Me Do It should have been set in a linear environment. Linear doesn't always mean a negative, but in this case, they should have just went with the with another haunted house or a, 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 haunted, a haunted prison, a haunted hospital. I don't think that type of storytelling will get repetitive if you were to tell it right. And plus, these movies don't really come out that often. The Conjuring 1 came out in 2013. Conjuring 2 came out in 2016, I believe. And now The Devil Made Me Do It came out this year. For my final thoughts, go into this movie with the expectations of just watching another horror movie. Don't really have those conjuring quality expectations. This isn't a bad movie. It's just, compared to the others, it falls a little flat when it comes to quality. So with that being said, I am giving The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, a C-. I'm actually using a different microphone this time around. I am using... The Samsung Q2U microphone is a very popular mic for podcasters, for, uh, for musicians. It's very easy to find. I saw it on Amazon. I got it from Best Buy. And I also saw it at Guitar Center. Very easy to find. I'm usually a Yeti person. My past episodes have been recorded using a Yeti mic. It has been getting the job done. Um, what possessed me to plug this one in, I guess... I wanted to try something a little different. Um, I got this mic a while back, meaning a couple of months back, and when I plugged it in, I'm not the biggest tech person, and I noticed that all the configurations you had to do on the computer. I'm not the biggest uh, tech person. I was a little confused on how to get the gain right, how to get the volume right. It's probably more simple to you guys and girls out there with this kind of stuff but but for me I was having issues with the gain and the volume and everything with the yeti there's a there's a knob for everything on the mic itself there's a knob for the gain a knob for the volume a knob 
for everything. There's a button for mute. Everything's on the mic, which I love with the Yeti. This Samson, I finally think that I've gotten things right. And as a result, I find this mic to be a lot better for podcasting. They also say that that uh, the type of mic you should get for podcasting should be a dynamic mic, which is this mic. The Yeti has been getting the job done for me. Outside of my air conditioning being kind of loud, my location is pretty quiet. I guess that's why um, I will, it, that's why it hasn't been giving me issues in terms of background noise and, and cutting noise out. For the most part, I would say about 90% of the time. And one other thing, I decided to um, lay low on the editing. I don't edit as much. If you notice in my Conjuring review, what you just heard, my speaking was more, it wasn't as fast. In my previous episodes, I would go through topics really, really quickly, really quickly, quick, 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 quick. It seems like I, I will never ever take a breath and you have to really struggle to keep up with me. That's because I I don't know how to put it. I cut a lot of dead space between my words and I just try to condense everything together. And as a result, I, I sound very, uh, I don't want to say robotic, but it, it sounds a little unnatural. I talk way too fast. Like no one really talks that fast, especially for 30 minutes straight. This particular episode and I want to say just episodes in the future. From here on out, I'm going to do little editing, little to almost no editing. And as a result, as you're hearing right now, I'm not editing anything. My voice is naturally a little slower. I like to take my time. And I think I just sound a lot better that way. Moving onward, on to some news. Indiana Jones 5 is finally in production. It looks like it's being filmed in the UK. We did get some photos of Harrison Ford in character. It looks like this thing is finally happening. Harrison Ford, 79 years old. This this movie has been pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. I think it was officially announced for the first time in 2016. Was it in 2016? Yeah, it was a year after um, uh, Force Awakens came out, and then we got the announcement that Harrison Ford is back as Indiana Jones in Indiana Jones 5. At the time, he was only, what, 72, 73? Something like that. It does already have quite the cast. Of course, you have Harrison Ford. You have Phoebe Waller-Bridge. We have Mads Mikkelsen. I think that's his last name. I think it's pretty clear that I'm just brainstorming. I'm just thinking out loud. I think he's going to be the villain. If there is going to be a villain of some kind, it's going to be Mads. Moving on, we have Thomas Cranchman. I don't know. Thomas... I don't know. Thomas K. I'm just going to call him Thomas K. Boyd... Hall Brook and Sean and uh Shanetti Renee Wilson. 
and probably a few more people, but these are all the names that I have written down here. Of course, Indy 5 is going to be directed by James Mangold. He is the director of such movies like Logan and Ford versus Ferrari or Ford v. Ferrari. I've always said, you know, this movie seems like it's in good hands. Of course, Spielberg is not coming back for this movie. He is going to be, quote, a hands-on producer. I'm just glad to see some concrete evidence that this is happening. Again, we got the photo of Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. I'm glad to know that this is happening. Harrison, yes, he's old, but I think he's in really good shape. He's going to probably need a stunt double more than ever this time around. They say that he is in really good shape for his age. And Harrison, he's one of those actors that can really jump back into those iconic characters like he did with Han Solo in um, Force Awakens. He brought back Han Solo like he never left. I have complete faith that Harrison can come back as Indiana Jones. I'm just concerned about the physical stuff. I think we all are. He's 79 years old. I think you can easily tell... Story-wise, you know, I I think it's going to be something like uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, her character, she's going to be the female lead. I think the story is going to be something like how maybe she knows that there is some type of artifact out there, some type of treasure, and she needs to find it. And and who better to help her on that adventure or to... um, some type of guidance than the great Indiana Jones. I think it's going to be a story of bringing Indiana Jones back from retirement. I don't think the movie's going to open with a, a big, hmm, I don't know. I don't think it's going to open like a Raiders of the Lost Ark where you saw Indy immediately doing his thing or like a Crystal Skull, you saw Indy doing his thing. I think this time around, since he's older, I think he is going to live a quiet life. Didn't he marry Miriam at the end of Crystal Skull? I remember at the end of Crystal Skull, there was like a wedding. I haven't seen it since. I haven't seen the movie since it actually came out back in 2008. I have have really vague memories of Crystal Skull. I remember it being a wedding of some kind. I think Indy got married or so. Anyway. Yeah, I just think that this is going to be a story of Indy coming out of retirement for one last adventure. A lot of people have a favorite Indiana Jones. Still to this day, I don't have a favorite. I like Raiders, I like Temple, and I like Crusade. Crystal Skull, I don't think is 100% terrible. It gets a lot of hate. I don't think it's amazing. It's definitely the my least favorite. Crystal Skull to me, it, it doesn't feel authentic. When I think about the other movies, they seem a lot more... Um, I don't know how to put it. It's, it they feel more like 
authentic cinema. Crystal Skull seems more like fan service. I feel like if you're going to talk about the history of movies, you can't talk about them without talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Crystal Skull is it should not be in that conversation. Will Indiana Jones 5 be better than Crystal Skull? Everybody that has been confirmed to be attached to this movie and the director, it seems like this movie should succeed. They did say that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to be a lead actress in the movie. A lot of people saying that she's going to steal Harrison Ford's thunder. You know, in, in today's climate, it wouldn't surprise me. I hope they don't go down that route. Nothing against Waller Bridge, but, you know, we all came to see Indiana Jones. Yeah, Phoebe is going to be a female uh, companion, just like uh, Harrison's companions in all of his other indie movies, like Miriam and Raiders, Willie Scott in Temple, and then uh, I think Miriam came back in Crystal Skull, and also you had Shia LaBeouf. He always had sidekicks. I hope she helps carry the movie, which she probably will, but I still want Harrison Ford to be the star of the movie. I don't want to see the character nerfed of his intelligence. Indy's a very intelligent character. I don't want to see Indy being disrespected in a political way. We all know there's a lot going on in the world. It's it's a lot of politics. You really need to respect Indiana Jones. You have to respect Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones. We all grew up on Indiana Jones. I don't care what your politics are. I don't care which way you lean. Harrison Ford is 79 years old, and he is giving us one last time Indiana Jones. Respect. Indiana Jones 5 will release in theaters July 28th, 2022. I remember the very first time I discovered Indiana Jones. Uh, Back in the day, I was, what, 9, 10, 11? My church, we took a vacation down to Disney World. Uh, We went into, I think like two tour buses full of churchgoers. So it was kind of like a big field trip, if you will, from Michigan all the way down to Florida. That bus ride, we watched a bunch of movies, and one of those movies was Indiana Jones. Uh, Temple of Doom, that was the very first time I saw Indiana Jones in, in general. Man, and that movie was so awesome. I've never... Again, I never seen Indiana Jones. I didn't know anything about it. I just thought it was so cool. I don't know if cool is even the word. It it was just so fun to watch from beginning to end. And I thought his whip was so badass. As a kid, I was like, I want one of those. When we got down to Disney World, my parents took me to this um I don't know if it's a if it's like a it, Okay, so it was like a little short play, a, a short theatrical, like outdoor play of 
Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you saw Indy running away from that boulder. It wasn't the entire um the entire stage play. It was just certain scenes of the movie that the stage actors reenacted to entertain the audience. It was a performance, essentially. It was a stage performance. It was I remember it being so entertaining to watch. I'm like a nine year old kid and I'm like, run in the as he's being chased by the boulder. Good times, I tell you what, man. That was the best time to be a new fan of Indiana Jones. I was literally on my way to Disney World, and they were all about Indiana Jones. I remember I went to the Indiana Jones gift shop, and immediately I'm like, where the hell's the whip? I want to buy the whip. I'm not here for the hat. I'm not here for the T-shirt. I want the whip. I finally found the whip. That thing was extremely expensive and on top of that my mom wouldn't even give it to me because it was an actual whip it wasn't a toy it was a weapon a little bummed out yeah uh i I think i left out of there with something i can't remember it i can't remember what i got it was something that was kind of cool but um let me stay on topic that is well that was some news on indiana jones 5 and uh, some backstory of my life. That was the first time I've ever been to Disney World. And the first time that I've seen Indiana Jones. Just a second while I get a swig of this here, Aquafina. Whew. Okay. Final topic. Here we go. For those of you who are not aware, Quentin Tarantino does plan on retiring after 10 movies, only 10 movies. I believe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is his ninth. The reason is basically, I'm going to read an article, but basically he wants to retire when he is at a creative high meaning he wants to retire while he is still good at making movies great at telling stories he does not want to put out a movie that is trash especially for his final movie like i said i have an article here i'm not going to read the whole thing i'm just going to read enough this is a website called republicworld.com and uh, the title of this article is Quentin Tarantino mulls over retiring sooner with a good film than later with a lousy one okay I'm just going to figure out which one which paragraph I'm going to read here Uh, I think this is basically everything that I need okay listen to this Quentin Tarantino in a recent interview with Pure Cinema Podcast spoke about why he wants to retire early. He fears that he might end up delivering a lousy film, and hence he wants to retire well before he does that. Speaking about some directors from the 60s all the way up to the 90s, Tarantino said, quote, Most directors have horrible last movies, and that their worst movies end up being their last movies. He further added his two cents on one's last film as a director by adding that it is, quote, it is rare, unquote, 
to conclude one's career with a decent movie, and it is just phenomenal to end with a good one. In the past, he had also addressed the same topic, where he vaguely touched upon the topic of retiring from the filmmaking business during the promotions for his last outing, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He did mention that he feels as if it is time for him to ease into the role of a husband and father. He plans to step back from the camera and pick up the pen. That's all I'm gonna read. Yeah, um, retiring after ten movies, or possibly the ninth one being his last one. I'll tell you this: I really disagree with him when he says that he is afraid to put out a lousy movie. Quentin Tarantino, this man in particular. I really think that will not be the case. He really knows filmmaking. He understands storytelling. If this was another director, maybe. But Quentin has solidified himself as one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. At at the least, he'll put out a, a movie that is, you know, decent to good. All of his movies are really, really, really good. You see the difference? I think he he's at the least he's going to put out something that is just good. I don't think he should be worried about putting out something lousy. I understand his pressure, but sir, you are Quentin Tarantino. This man's filmmaking is extremely unique. You can't compare Quentin to any other director you can compare other directors to tarantino he's an originator that's like comparing eminem to other rappers you can't do that eminem is like so original he's so unique he's you can't compare him to any other rapper and going back to tarantino he is 1000 percent quality which gives birth to longevity. He did say that he's going to focus on writing scripts, which is awesome. I do think he is one of the top-tier screenwriters in Hollywood. What I like about his screenplay, it's so recognizable. I remember watching the movie From Dusk Till Dawn, directed by Robert Rodriguez. I saw it for the first time, right? About 10 minutes in, I said to myself, is the screenplay written by Tarantino? Because the the dialogue, it's so, it was so Tarantino. And I was like, did he write this? I knew he was in the movie. His character was introduced almost immediately, very early on. Then I watched the entire movie and then the credits fell and you saw written by Tarantino. Screenplay by Tarantino. Fantastic movie, by the way. If you haven't seen From Dusk to Dawn, track it down and buy it. Or rent it. Whatever, However you get your films. Make sure you see that. Speaking of Rodriguez and Tarantino, the Comic-Con where Mahershala Ali was announced as Blade. What was that, like 2019 Comic-Con? No announcement of the director, no word of the screenwriter. 
I've always said that, man, wouldn't it be cool if Tarantino wrote the script and the movie was directed by Rodriguez? That was my dream duo for the movie. I could totally see Tarantino writing Blade. Of course, Blade this time around will be PG-13. It has to be PG-13 for it to fit into the MCU. Let's say Quentin was the writer of the new Blade. That'll be quite a shift because Quentin, all of his movies are R-rated. I don't think he's ever done anything that's PG-13. And I think that if Quentin was to write a PG-13 Blade, I think it being PG-13 will really limit his creativity. He wouldn't have that that freedom. Like R, rated R, you can almost, you can get away with a lot with R-rated movies. But PG-13, you know, there is, there are boundaries. I don't think he would be interested in a PG-13 Blade. I think if Marvel wanted to make a standalone Blade movie that was not connected to MCU, I'm not talking about Mahershala Ali. I'm talking about something like a, like Todd Phillips' Joker, something that's not connected to the DCEU. You know, uh, a standalone Blade movie on Netflix, bringing back Wesley Snipes one last time, I think in a scenario like that, Tarantino would be interested. So, again, Quentin Tarantino, he wants to retire after 10 movies because he feels that he is at a creative high. Retiring for that reason, I completely disagree. I think Quentin Tarantino doesn't understand just how creative he is and how much he understands movies. He knows his movies. He understands screenplay. He gives excellent advice to up-and-coming movie makers and screenwriters, and he is very intelligent. I think he is one of the most intelligent human beings in Hollywood. I'm just going to say this, and then I'm going to end this. I don't think that... Quentin even has the capacity to make a lousy movie because I'm pretty sure that if he was to create something, he would catch it early on and say, you know what, let me rework this. Let me rewrite this. Let me reshoot this. He knows the stuff. Okay. Quentin Tarantino is, I don't think he understands just how good he is. That's all. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes episode nine. Nine episodes created. I am on my way. I find the best time to record is at night. I think that's because, uh, you know, you don't hear any lawnmowers. uh, The roads aren't busy with cars going up and down the street. Things are quiet. So for those of you who are thinking about starting your own podcast or for those of you who are already doing your own thing, I would say not only 
is it about location? Some people like to do their podcasting in their closet, which is a great location. It's very quiet there. If you can, I would highly recommend that you podcast at night. It's usually the quietest time of the day. That's just my recommendation. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you for joining me here on the Long Live Hollywood podcast. My name is Aaron. Be safe out there. Love each other. Do nice things for each other. Uh, I'm bad at outros. And um, uh, we'll get through this pandemic together. Things are looking up. And for the love of God, please have your money ready when you check out of a Walmart or, or wherever you get your groceries from. I hate being the guy behind that person. I'm really starting to get, starting to get pissed off here. And take care. I'm sleepy. I'm going to bed, like, literally right now. I am out of here.